Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey everyone, big news from the boys of the last podcast on the left. Check out the last comic book on the left, our most sinister comic anthology. It now has a volume two. Please pre-order now at Z2comics.com. We have an even bigger stable of artists and talent and writers and everyone that we did for the first one, although the first one is fucking amazing and it's still available on Z2comics.com. But we're asking you to go pre-order number two, Z2comics. You're going to like the way you read. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gene. Content warning. We are discussing some pretty sensitive um, religious abuse kind of subjects and war uh, trauma, I guess. Be advised. Someplace underneath. Probably a lot of us out here have this feeling, and I don't let me know, Amber, if you do, but I often have imposter syndrome with anything I do. I've always had that, just feeling like I'm not good enough or I don't know enough and I'm insecure about it. Oh, right. And like you're going to wake up and be like, they all know I'm stupid. Yeah. And I want to start living more like people, women specifically, who call themselves life coaches because... They seem to have absolutely no fear of being ignorant. They just walked in one day and said, I'm going to be a coach on how peoples are going to live. Oh, right. What a radical thing to say. Like, you know, life, the thing that we all struggle with and like philosophers have written about. I know. I know what it is. And I don't know how to tell you. Yeah. And there's a whole swath of them that have come from leaving MLMs. So not to stereotype, but it's a lot of white women who've never really done anything. Before. Oh, so is their whole thing like, just ask your dad for money? I think so. <laughs> but man, are they confident? Yeah. They're so confident. They never for a second think, maybe I don't know enough. No. And I think I should start living like that. And you should. And you out there, too. 
Just always assume you know everything. Welcome to Someplace Underneath. I'm Natalie Jean. I'm Amber Nelson. You know, a pro and a con about me is I never know when people are making fun of me to my face. So they'll say something like, I like your shirt. Did you make it yourself? And I'm like, I got it at Goodwill for $2. Thank you. It's my favorite. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll just walk along. And a week later, I'll be like, they were making fun of me. But then I just don't even. It's like, okay, thank you. Bye. Yeah. I do think that's a positive. And fuck those people. They're probably life coaches. Probably. They probably wear fucking White House black market clothing. You know what I mean? Those cunts. (laughs) Sorry, I shouldn't use that word. (laughs) Big whoop. That's what I say. That's. All right. So I guess just I don't I don't want to know if people are making fun of me. I'm glad that you don't know that because they're probably assholes. Ignorance is bliss. Especially if they're just making fun of your clothes. What is this? Seventh grade? (laughs) It's always seventh grade in the eyes of a lady. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's great. How do I transition? (laughs) I know. We've got a very sad case going on today. Yeah. There's not really a clean transition into this story. There's a little girl that was abducted. And we're just like, seventh grade. (laughs) Yeah. Potentially abducted. We shall say. We are moving away from... The last series in Louisiana, this is a subject that Amber, you, I think, initially brought up to talk about. And I really agree that this girl needs exposure. This is a story of a little girl named Lena Sardar Kill. Her age is not entirely clear because she is a refugee from Afghanistan whose family left Afghanistan in 2019 to come to San Antonio. Texas. Yes. Well, you know, like probably similar climate, dry. Yeah, I mean, I've never been to San Antonio, but I'm guessing deserty, dry. Your body's probably like, okay, I get it. Yeah, I think if anything, there's at least that. Yeah, if they went to Alaska, that'd be different. Yeah, I think maybe there's other culture shock things to go on there, but Climate, I think, actually would be a big deal to have to, like, upheave your life and go somewhere that was entirely not your body's favorite thing. (laughs) That would probably suck. Yeah. Like, when I came here, I lived in Georgia. So I lived in Saudi. Yeah. Which is very desert. And then I moved to the middle of the swamps in Georgia. Oof. And, man, that swamp air, it is the thickest thing you've ever felt. I love it. I love it, too. But, man, you have to get used to everything being, like, a little bit wet. It really is, especially in Florida. Everything feels just a tiny bit damp. It's good for your skin, though. Glowing. Glow with that sweat, bitch. Yeah. So they ended up in San Antonio, which is actually a place where there is a small Afghan community. But she, Lena herself, the family says she was three at the time of her disappearance, which was December 20th, 2021. But it appears she may be a little bit older. This isn't. By any means, I don't think the family trying to deceive people. It's more of a reflection of where they've come from, partly from chaos and partly just because they were living in like a more rural area of Afghanistan where there weren't like really solid record keep. It was just because that's not how they lived. Yeah. And the part of Afghanistan where they live, kids would just go run around and play unsupervised. Yes. Like it's pretty common. Yes. So you go do that shit here. Where is she? Yes, exactly. And we'll get into that. So they say she was three at the time of her disappearance and now would be four. If you see the photos of her before she went missing, she looks closer to four or five. But that could be completely wrong. I'm not a developmental expert, believe it or not. But a lot of experts have said that it does look like she's a little bit older. 
But you have the pictures of her online, so it doesn't really matter ultimately. Yeah, I have no idea like when kids start speaking or like knowing they're no one, two, three. I think it's like 11. 11 they start speaking? I think so. Or like eight? Wait. No, girl, you crazy. You joking. <laughs> yeah, I think it's somewhere around. Well, our friends who have children, I think it's they start talking around eight months. They start saying a word or two. Wow. They say, perhaps, right? mama, perhaps I have the nipple now. The scariest ones do. You have to be afraid of those kids. <laughs> so when I was doing the initial look into the story, I had kind of realized I had little to no understanding of the circumstances that led to this new life she was in. And I wanted to kind of take a look back into how and why her family got into the U.S. because how they did is actually really impacting the search for Lena because they are non-English speaking, because they came under this sort of, I wouldn't necessarily say the Sardar Kiel family are refugees and we'll talk about why, but they came under special visas and didn't have any, you know, connections basically to the area at the time. They now do, but we'll, all right, we'll talk about that. So I wanted to just like take a second here and see what happens to an immigrant who then faces a second layer of tragedy or emergency or strife that they're already having these other things going on in their world. Oh, right. Because first you're just like, what do you mean people are kissing? What do you mean they're holding hands? What is a Costco? You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> what is a Costco? I have no idea. I've been here for a while. It's kind of... It's kind of like the worst of Western culture. It's just like, take as many as you can. Yeah. Throw out whatever you don't finish. I know. Maybe because I'm a single lady and I only shop for myself, but I'm looking through Costco and I'm just like, why do you need this many chicken tenders? I don't get it. I think it's for kids. Yeah. I do think probably there's some upsides to, you know, large quantities for huge families, but, you know, it's a little bit of consumerism greed and some of it just being like, yeah, just grab the whole box. I don't know. We'll deal with it. <laughs> but... I'm going to say at the top that I have absolutely zero authority in discussing or, God forbid, teaching really anything about the Middle East. Oh, white skin, Natalie? What? Yeah, I <laughs> I know this is a shock for everyone, but I can tell you about Middle Eastern dance a little bit. That's pretty much it. But it turns out that's not helpful in this situation. <laughs> so I know the Taliban is generally considered bad. But in doing this research, I actually had only just realized now that the Taliban, ISIS, and Al-Qaeda are all separate extremist groups. Oh, yeah. 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 Because I think sometimes if you're not really invested in it, like on the news and stuff, they kind of almost sound interchangeable to an extent. Like they're spoken about almost interchangeably. Yeah, but they're different sects of religions and all that jazz. Yeah. And I just I think it's important in these kind of stories because we're we're watching families who are impacted specifically by these extremist groups who are now experiencing another thing that's terrible in America, which is this child being potentially kidnapped. So, you know, I, I kind of look at it the same way like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons are like they, yeah, they have like the same root sources, but then they interpret them differently and their rules are very strict and stringent, but they don't make a lot of sense but like they're just yeah, like that's exactly it yeah yeah so there are several different branches of the taliban oh, um, right. like shiite and sunni muslims i'm sure a lot of westerners would be like it's same thing but right. if you go over there that's like no they're not right 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 
And it's just kind of the same stuff in like a lot of Christianity sects where it's like they're just trying to like use this ancient text to define reality. And it's just like that's kind of a fool's errand because everybody's going to interpret it differently. Anyway, um, while Lena's family actually made it into San Antonio in 2019, it was under a lot of the same set of circumstances that the large population of Afghan people were displaced and put into San Antonio and across Texas and across the country following the Taliban seizing control of Afghanistan last year. Oh, right. With the plane that was taken off and people were like grabbing on the wings. Yeah. Lena's family is from the Paktia province. I believe that is how you pronounce it, and I apologize if that is not correct. And it's on the east side of the country, so it borders Pakistan. From what I can gather, Paktia has been sort of in a bit of throes of chaos for decades off and on, partly due to it being on the border of Pakistan and being a bit vulnerable because it's not a wealthy area. And we've had a lot of U.S. troops in there. One of the many skirmishes began again around 2014 when the U.S. troops were preparing to pull out. Violence increased at that time. Though Lena's parents came with her as a baby to the U.S. in 2019, their extended family arrived in this exodus following the troops pulling out of Afghanistan in 2021 when all the people were jumping on the planes. So Lena's immediate parents came with her in 2019, but all of their extended family just came last year during all of this. Oh, like the cousins and the nephews and everything? Mm-hmm. Because Interesting. they were working as contractors for the U.S. So we'll get into this a little bit more, but I wasn't sure how and like where and who they were dis- discerning who was going to get to come to the U.S., who they were pulling out. And some of the people who got to leave at that time or who wanted to leave at that time were people who had been working with U.S. troops. because her dad worked. I don't want to jump the shark. Her dad worked with U.S. troops. Yes, and her uncles and the brothers of the people. So her family had connections to the U.S. military. And where her family comes from is pretty rural, which is, again, hence the potential discrepancy in her age. This is a picture of her. You can see she's really freaking cute. She is cute. Her eyes, though, look like they've seen some shit. I mean, she's got she's got beautiful big eyes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it's been necessarily like a smooth ride. So after U.S. troops had occupied and been fighting to defeat the Taliban and various etc. Or, you know, whatever we've been doing in Afghanistan for, let me check my watch, uh, 20 years. <laughs> uh, oh, gathering poppy seeds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Biden pulled out the remaining U.S. troops last August 2021. This is, of course, an incredibly difficult and complicated sociopolitical landscape to navigate. But while I have very little to add to this conversation, the hardest part about war and war zones in general, in my opinion, is that the citizens who are just trying to live and survive are usually the ones who suffer the most. Oh, yeah. And kids. Yeah. It's true in any war. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people use kids in war. I was talking to a soldier and he said, I have trouble being around children because when I would go serve, kids would run up and have grenades on them. And I mean, that's just fucked up, man. And like having a sweet, smiling child laughing and running up to you, like, how nice is that? And that's deprived of this man. Like, he probably cannot have a child. Yeah. He should. I mean, those kids. Like and being handed grenades, kids, like, yes, Jesus, and they believe they really believe, like, oh, I go to you know, or like they're like lied to, sure, yeah, 
Yeah, no, war is nothing but a bunch of manipulation and lies, always. For like, so five people can make some money. Yep. As I'm sure most of you will remember late last summer, last year, all the videos that you were just mentioning where people are like trying to get on the side of the plane and all the people pushing, trying to get through, trying to flee after the U.S. was pulling the troops out. That's because the Taliban was almost certainly going to get the upper hand of Afghanistan and take control of the government whenever Biden decided to pull the troops out, which is what happened. And I think that it's a good thing that we took the troops out because we've been not helping. No, I don't think we did it right. No. I don't think we did it right at yeah. all. But, yeah. And know. I don't really know what the right way is. I don't know either. But yeah, no, obviously it's it's been chaos. I think there's really no good way once you've fucking dug your claws in that deeply. But yeah, I'm, I mean, I personally feel like it's a good thing. 20 years, like somebody could be born into this with U.S. control and then almost legally have a beer by American standards. Yeah, when they went, I was like younger than Billie Eilish. Yeah. <laughs> but this is what happened, though. The Taliban rolled through as soon as we pulled out, which, again, I'm going to give you a crash course. We're all learning together thing on the Taliban because I know absolutely zero about the subject. And Natalie's in a burka right now. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so I also wanted to talk to you, Amber, about your experience in Saudi Arabia at this time, because I know that the Taliban was first sort of established. It, it'd been building, but it was acknowledged kind of on a wider scale around 94. And the word Taliban translates to either like seekers or students, like learners, basically. The Taliban took power from 1996 to 2001. I don't want to get into a full timeline of everything because it's not a history class. But whenever you were there as a kid, you remember a specific shift, right? Like in, in the government while you were there in Saudi Arabia? I mean, I was pretty little. Yeah. But I do remember seeing more like military people around. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, huh? Because Afghanistan is not it's not close. connected. No. It's like there's like I believe there's a sea in between you guys, right? I think there is. But at the same time, there was upheaval kind of happening in the 90s. Yeah. Well, it was the Gulf War. Yeah. Yeah. So I was there during the Gulf War. But the Gulf War, it was mostly Iraq invading Kuwait. So we yeah, had so, some military presence I saw in Saudi yeah. a little bit because it's close-ish. Yeah. I didn't have bombs. You know what I mean? I didn't have fire or anything. It was, it was just an oil place. Yeah. Do you remember there being a shift in their rules for the girls and women when you were a kid there? For me, it was, I think in Saudi, it's probably the most conservative of all the places. So it was always burqa. Okay. You know, but if you don't start your period, you are not under Sharia law. So I was just running around just like unsupervised, just like this little girl was. Yeah. You okay, just gotta so run, you know, nobody cares. Yeah. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. 
The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So when you were a kid, you didn't have to wear that sort of garb because you were not in puberty yet, basically. Yes. Okay. Just curious, honestly. I'm like asking no. you in real time on the show. <laughs> so yeah, basically one of the main tenets for the Taliban existing is implementing a very harsh form of Sharia law, which is a form of extreme conservatism that often involves violence, torture, and killing whenever it's applied in a very conservative extremist interpretation that makes any sense. So Sharia law in general is conservative, but they, they these sort of extremist groups then take it to like, you know, yeah. 11th octave or whatever. It's when religion gets entwined in government. Yeah. That's usually when I have a problem because Sharia law also enforces like if you get a divorce, what happens? You know, it goes mm -hmm. like very into your life where I'm just like, believe what you want. But as soon as the government tells me what to do, you can sit on my middle finger and spin. Right. You know, so, and which is why they call it Sharia law, I guess, is like because it is implementing the law of how people have to act. Yes. With every facet of your life. Yeah. So. It is not necessarily an endurable or pleasant thing for most people, and especially for women most of the time. No. And pointless in my also humble opinion, except, you know, it, it lets control and extortion sort of be the main tenant of, like, why that it exists. Yeah, I mean, wealthy people, they don't really live under Sharia law. Like, at least I saw in Saudi, they will go take a private flight to Paris and then the burkas come off as yeah. soon as they're in headspace. Right. Or they get drunk. They get prostitutes. Right. This is all anti-Sharia law. But if you're poor, you got to abide by these rules. If you have money, it's your playground, baby. It's pretty universal, I guess. Yeah. That's how is how it goes. Yeah. Uh, we hate poor people, don't we? Yeah, I guess everywhere um, in the world just hates poor people. But yeah, no, totally. And I'll talk about some other really fucking weird things here. But yeah, generally, those sort of laws get implemented on like mostly the poor people. Yeah. So the Taliban, of course, as we most probably all know at this point, despises the West and the West's quote unquote trappings. Technically, Al Qaeda did 9-11 because they were being overseen by their boy Osama bin Laden. But the Taliban, I guess, is you could say adjacent and it's often kind of said in interchangeably. And I think I probably would have thought of it as interchangeably. But technically, Al-Qaeda is different than the Taliban. Because while, you know, 9-11 was a nightmare, and I'm certainly not simping for Al-Qaeda, the media response kind of created all sorts of newly formed xenophobia, racism, and hatred kind of cloaked as patriotism in Americans, often by people who wouldn't have been able to point to Afghanistan or Saudi Arabia or Iraq on the map suddenly yeah. just went like anybody who's a slight shade of brown is now terrorist. Right. And maybe they're leaving for those reasons. Yeah. So that's sort of why we're discussing this here is that there is a lot of still remaining animosity towards people who they just sort of go like, that looks like 9-11 to me. <laughs> also on this very side tangent. Did you know that bin Laden's father, Mohammed, died in 1967 in an airplane crash in Saudi Arabia when his American pilot misjudged a landing? And then his eldest half-brother, who became the patriarch of the family, Salem bin Laden, was killed near San Antonio, Texas, when he accidentally flew a plane into power lines. Huh. Isn't that weird? 
That's a nice little fact of the day, Natalie. Super interesting. Do you think that there's a chance that Osama bin Laden just hates airplanes? Probably. I hate airplanes. We got that in common. It's all a big misunderstanding. (laughs) There was a poet that came from Egypt, I believe, in the late 40s, early 50s. And I'm going to have to look up his name. If you know it, let me know. But he came to America to experience it. He hated our culture. He goes back and he gets arrested for saying, like, down with America. Mm -hmm. And he goes into prison and he writes these manifestos and these poems about how America sucks. And then he gets killed. And on the day of his execution, there were these classes put in his name. And people like Osama bin Laden were taking his classes. So if you look up this poet, I forget his name, like you get put on a list. Wow. And I think I mentioned something like that on Facebook. And this guy says, yeah, in college, I checked out a book of his at the student library. And the next day I had these guys come to my house and then just walk in Ugh. and they were in suits and they just like took it. And they're like, we didn't know the school had this. So this is ours now. Jesus. That's. Yeah. So there's a lots of like other insidious stuff happening. And it's weird that that guy was a poet. I read some of his poems and it was just like the wind, you know, it's just like, I can't believe this guy fucking started terrorism. And then, <laughs> but there's a school under this guy. We should critique poetry. Another thing that we definitely both are experts on. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> this poet doesn't even have sentences in it. What does this mean? Um, no, that's very interesting. The wind is cold today. <laughs> oh, wow. That's beautiful, Amber. <laughs> gonna start a revolution, I guess. You're going to radicalize me. <laughs> it's really, it's, have you ever seen the photos of Bin Laden in the like 70s like street Western clothes before? Yes. Those are so fascinating to look at and see just how fast things can change. You know? Oh, yeah. And like, look at America. Look at us. We're just like, well, we have all these rights. And, you know, look at these. Look at these pictures. How yeah. quickly it can change. Oh, yeah. So a lot of Al-Qaeda, as well as the Taliban's most dangerous practices, involve the belief that the enemy's vulnerable people, including women and children, are justifiably targets, which is horrific. But also, again, this is a little bit of a sidebar, but we also do this. Our military also kills our, quote, enemies' children all the time. Yeah. We do it all the time. I remember a guy I was working on a movie with who was a producer. He was a retired, high-ranking Marine, and it was having a casual conversation with us. He was post-9-11 Marine, and we were just hanging out on set, and he started talking about one time where he was, like, heading whatever is called a mission or whatever. He was, like, high-ranking, so he was, like, running it. And it, where he basically burned a village to the ground with families and homes. And he said it so lackadaisical and like detached and like conversationally. And none of us really knew how to like respond to that. And I think all of us have sort of like changed the subject, but I'll never forget him saying that. Like, we also just kill a bunch of kids. He just burned a village. And just like, like I talk about how like I got water today. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. So. Again, my point is that while no one's a good guy in war, right. war's not good. We're not like we are not the good guys. There's just a lot. It's very complicated. It's not that America's only the ones who are bad, but we are also wars fucked up. It's terrible. So Sharia law is essentially pulling laws from religious Islamic texts, which much like the Christian Bible is often distorted into serving someone's self-indulgent desires or is sometimes cherry-picked to find parts they can use verbatim to try to make people do dumb things, even though these things were written for civilizations thousands of years ago, many of whom, you know, believed in, like, covering a patient in lion fat 
cured malaria and are still trying to implement that time period's rules onto modern society. Mm. All in all, like most conservative religions, it is a major bummer for women. For most people, really, but definitely anyone who presents female, you're kind of fucked under Sharia law a lot of the time, especially when it's being headed by the Taliban who has taken over Afghanistan. And it's also kind of fucked that a lot of women were supporting the Taliban coming in. They well, were marching down the streets in full burqa saying, we want them back. Yeah. And I mean, look at women who go against their own, like, you know, interests here, too. Yeah. And they're like... Women shouldn't have health care. Women shouldn't have, like, safety and protection. No, they like, shouldn't have jobs. Right. So, yeah, same. Like, there's so many psychological prisons and, like, avenues, and it's a labyrinth of complicated stuff. But I also wanted to be clear that being Muslim does not equal practicing Sharia law or using Sharia law in that way of being like, this is God's word and there is no movement and you can't, you must do this, this, no. this. No, like, I consider myself a Christian, but mm -hmm. I'm not just like, Natalie, I see your shoulders. I I'm see your sorry. shoulders, Natalie. I, it's not my fault you're and horny. your knees, cover up. <laughs> I can't help it if you want to ravage me right now. <laughs> so, yeah, there are almost 2 billion people who call themselves Muslim on earth. Uh, a fair percentage of them do not, not even a fair, a vast, vast majority do not believe in acts of terrorism or violence. I despise religion in general. That's me. But my point is that, like, the vast majority of practicing Muslims are just normal people. And so Lena and her family, as they're coming to America and her aunts and uncles or extended family are starting to come in, too, in the last year, they are walking into a country that still sometimes looks at them like they're monsters for just existing. Oh, yeah, especially Texas. Yeah, it can be rough. So the way the Taliban currently and always has, but currently in Afghanistan is enforcing Sharia law is brutal. In this form of Sharia law, domestic abuse is excused and sometimes encouraged on a woman. Homosexuality is forbidden and punished harshly. It can have a death penalty. They're just generally a scorched earth approach to any infraction on a girl or a woman steps a toe out of line. It's a very scary place for that. Right. right I would now. say that as far as homosexuality, it's very, they will kill you. Under a Taliban rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're in the middle of this sort of upheaval and chaos takeover, we're not even really able to know a lot of what's happening right now because they're changing the laws like in real time. Yeah. There's been some that have just changed in the last month or two. Last I saw, there was the video of these dudes running around a girl's school because they kicked all the little girls out of school and yeah. they had their guns and they were just like dancing around with joy. And I really was just like, like, you're going to well, take these girls away from their ABCs, one, two, threes, yeah. so they can be a better mother. Don't you want a competent, beautiful no. woman to Definitely. raise your child who's Definitely happy not. and intelligent? No? No. You want her sad and beaten? Yes, I think so. And they were just dancing around and they yeah. loved it. The way that society has worked for a very long time is it's usually the dudes who come in and try to pull all the, like, they don't want women to learn in these, like, very extremist circles. And it is. That is one of the things that Taliban has starting to enforce now is that girls are not allowed to learn after the sixth grade or in some places it says after 10. Yeah. So that has being reinforced. Kids were there trying to get education and now that is becoming illegal. Also, divorce and like seeking custody of their children is technically possible, but there's so many ways that it will not work out in the favor of the woman. It's really not possible Unsurprisingly, also, girls can be married off by their early to mid-teens. Child brides are 
I guess now going to be even more common now that they don't want girls to be in school. Because of American troops being pulled out, Taliban taking over, Western nations have mostly suspended their humanitarian aid from Afghanistan following August 2021. And that is also just another really fucking difficult situation that I don't really know what the answer is because I get why they're making a statement being like, we're not going to send shit to you. We're going to stop. They're stopping uh, like the World Bank, International Fund. Like they're all halting yeah. interactions going in and out of Afghanistan. Like you want to be on your own? All right. Live you on your own. Right. And I get that. But the problem is, is then all of the citizens are going to be starved. Again, it's not like you can just go, well, we'll just give it to them anyway, because since the Taliban's under control, they will control the aid that would come in and they wouldn't disperse it yeah. to the poor people anyway. They're going to get more guns. They don't care. Yeah. So I get that. But because of that, more than half of Afghanistan's 39 million people are facing an acute food shortage. Oh, yeah. Especially now, because a lot of the nitrogen and stuff is like from for the soil. It's, it's going extinct. It's great. Man, it's fun. So... On November 11th, 2021, the Human Rights Watch reported that Afghanistan was facing widespread famine due to an economic and banking crisis. So once we pulled out, all of the aid stopped. All of the interactions from the outside countries stopped, which is why a lot of people were trying to get out. <laughs> also, oh, my God. Wait, I have to talk about this for a second, too. So. We already said you can't be gay in Sharia law no Lizzo. society. No Lizzo in Afghanistan. No, no social media or anything. No. You're not allowed to have TV, nothing. But this is just this is such an interesting look into how human minds work, the mental gymnastics. So there's an ancient tradition involving child sex trafficking men to little boys. Oh, yeah. Called Bachabazi. It's popular amongst wealthy people in Afghanistan and Pakistan, and it's a custom where basically men abuse little boys and sell them into prostitution. It means dancing boys, essentially. Yeah, because you can't soil the little girl because her virginity is kind of the whole thing. But you can soil the little boys. Yeah, it's such a bizarre... And then they're like, going to grow up hateful and angry because they got molested their whole life. It's yes. just bad. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. The distortion is so similar to so many other things we see in other countries, too, like with the American child bride mentality of like, yeah, having sex with a tween is rape unless you marry her, marry her, make her your sex slave who has no human rights, who you will continue to abuse until she can escape you. She can't even consent, but she also can't leave you. Then it's fine. That's... <laughs> That's, you know, that scripture says that now that they're a unit, it's fine. So it's that that's sort of like, oh, my God, dicks make people crazy. Yeah, it does. Yeah, they do. And maybe if it ever does a huge flip flop, which I don't want, I just I think equality is good. But if there was ever a big sh paradigm shift, people with vaginas, maybe they would also be monsters. I don't really know. I don't picture women molesting little girls to get off. I, I mean, some do, do somewhere. So I'm sure like one ugly old bitch. <laughs> In the woods, it's like, I got a baby girl. And, but for the most part, we're pretty cool. We're I mean, knitting yeah. and listening to crime podcasts. Not to get dark, but a lot of the women who do end up 
sexually abusing kids. Not always, but a lot of them are doing it to appease their partner. Oh, right. Some women just do it on their own. But a lot of times it is to, you know, like either stop their partner from beating them or to make their partner pay more sexual attention to them, like that mm. kind of thing. But it does actually happen kind of regularly. Okay, great. Yeah, it's cool. Definitely not as nearly as much as dicks, but... <laughs> And then, like we just mentioned briefly, the Taliban has ordered all women to cover their faces in public in Afghanistan, which is – this is from The Guardian. The latest sweeping restrictions by a government has taken away women's right to travel long distances alone, work outside health care or education. So they're allowed, I guess, to be nurses or teachers to little kids. And your son has to sign off on if you do anything. Right. And they're now completely banned from receiving any sort of secondary education because they're also not allowed to go to like high school. You know, this is just like, don't give men anything. You know what I mean? Because they're always like, oh, if you just give me this, then I'll be happy. They're never going to be fucking happy. Again, happiness comes from inside. They're still not happy. What? All the women are covered. They're not going anywhere. You have your little child brides. You're still unhappy? Well, that's a, sort of the mystery to me about any of this sort of thing is like, to what end? To, like, I to guess, what end? I guess they just are looking at it from like a perspective of the afterlife will be much better for us. But they're living in misery. Like the Taliban's mostly probably not like crushing it either like they are watching people suffering screaming explosions everywhere their society's collapsing like what's the end game for why they think this is the way to do it what would make you happy man what would make you happy i don't know i think they need to get on a roller coaster (laughs) so the taliban at six flags I mean, did you see them at the gym when they broke into that gym and they're like lifting the weights? I mean, they did. The Al-Qaeda guys, you remember, they were just like hanging out in Vegas and stuff before they did 9-11. Really? Yeah. I don't know if it was Vegas. They were hanging out like in bars and stuff, just hanging out, being like, I guess we're going to do 9-11. Can you imagine talking to one of those guys and like picking him up? And he's just like, yeah, I got a thing in a couple days. She's yeah. Like, yeah, it's 910. <laughs> Come on, baby. <laughs> there must be some sort of detachment to it because that was the same with dipshit who did Parkland because his trial is going on right now. And all the witnesses around him said he was just acting completely chill before and after, just like having normal conversations with his Lyft driver, went to Subway afterwards, just chilling. Yeah, man. Woo! So <laughs> <laughs> we're getting there. So this episode is a lot of like, setting up why the thing happened. Yeah. It's like going, it's like painting the background of the picture. Yes. And I, this might be a little self-indulgent for my own sake. I just want to try to get into the space of why Lena's family is sort of in the situation that they're in. And maybe, you know, just all of us to learn a little bit about this. I mean, there's a lot like in the world that's happening. And I don't know, what am I supposed to just sit on my hands and my ass and do nothing? Like I'm, you know, at least learning. Yeah. Nothing happens if you don't at least try to learn. So yeah, maybe a couple words are misspelled or misspoken, but man, there's a little girl that's missing and we're trying to figure this shit out. Yeah. And I do think that maybe that's potentially one of the keys to breaking down like the barriers of why we can't find missing people or like why it's not as easy as just going like, well, go look for, I don't know. Like, There is all of this stuff leading up to it that sometimes maybe we need to understand a little bit more as society. Yeah. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. 
Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. So people like Lena's family, maybe not her parents, but like her uncles and stuff who got it here last year. They were, this is according to the San Antonio report, they came to the U.S. under a priority two direct access program, which gave vulnerable Afghans without a special immigrant visa access to the resettlement process. And it might not be the exact same access program, but Lena and her family also came with like special immigrant access because of their circumstances where they lived, which is one of the reasons that there is not a lot of paper trail for them, mm-hmm. which makes it a little bit trickier if there is a situation where we need to ID her like this. But yeah, so it was it was hellish what was going on with these refugees and these immigrants trying to get out of Afghanistan. And in Texas, there's I believe it's Texas completely. There's 3000 refugees from Afghanistan. And in San Antonio, there's several hundred at the very least where Lena has disappeared. Much of this backstory is to explain that there are a lot of conspiracies floating around about her disappearance without any really clear evidence of oh, these right. things. Because they're Afghanistan, so mm. pe- from Afghanistan. So people are just like, he must have honor killed her or whatever. And she might really just be missing. Yes. There are police, the internet police, I should say, the internet detectives that we all have comments on YouTube are all kind of just immediately blaming the father. They're blaming the other new you know, immigrants who've just come in while all of these things are in the realm of possibility because pretty much right now anything's possible. It's as equally likely that she was randomly taken. It could have been she was targeted by an American-born citizen who saw the new influx of people and went like, here's my chance to grab a kid in the chaos. It could be anything. She could have technically could have wandered off and fallen yeah. into water, which is one of the ways they've been looking for her. Really? No. I mean, I sent you that thing where because the, there's a sexual predator that lives a three-minute walking distance from this girl. Yeah, and I think we're going to talk about that possibility on the next episode. But yeah, exactly. There's just so many... There's so many things, but a lot of people are immediately assuming because they come from Afghanistan that her father is, you know... This like extremist Taliban guy just because he came from Afghanistan. Now they wanted to leave that. And he yes. was working with the U.S. military. Yes, exactly. Because you hear about these like 10 people over, you know, years and years where, oh, they infiltrated and they tricked everybody. It's like. He has a family. I don't think he's going to infiltrate no. a whole system. He wants to make sure his family's OK. Also, his wife is pregnant right now. Yeah. They're not going to go infiltrate a system and possibly risk death. No. And it's. It's like saying if you go to a university, you know, you got to think everybody here is going to be a mass shooter because sometimes college students go crazy and shoot people up. It's like, no, he's just a dude where they were. There was a lot of skirmishes happening all the time. And they were just people trying to raise a family just like everybody else. And so while, yes, I don't necessarily agree And I don't know even how stringent they are with their own religious practices. The women in their family are not covering their faces, which is fine if they wanted to. But the mother's the one speaking to the press. 
Yes. So if they were some radical terrorist group, the women would not be speaking. Right. And she wasn't at first, which is one of the reasons that people are going, oh, see, like they just have these extreme rules. She's not allowed to speak. And the father has gone on record being like, we are in danger from the Taliban. I didn't want her to go on camera because I was worried it would affect our family members who are still in Afghanistan if her face is shown on television. Oh, yeah. They'll kill your fucking family. Like if the woman acts up, they'll kill your family. Yeah. And there was an interview at one point with her father, who we're going to probably talk more in depth about her family, but her father's name is Riaz. And he doesn't speak English. So he has to go through interpreters and stuff. So they were doing this long winded news interview with him. And it almost felt like the interviewer wasn't getting enough of what he wanted out of him being interviewed. And so he had the interpreter ask Riaz what he missed most about Lena and the guy just started sobbing and like dropped on the ground. And like, it was such a cold, weird thing to ask a parent. Like, what do you miss about your missing daughter? hmm? Show me you care. Here's a picture of her right now. Look at her face. Look at her. Look at her right now. It was really weird. And it felt like it was because they thought he wasn't going to show emotion because of something, because of being from Afghan. I don't know. It was weird. But he like, the dad like collapsed on the ground. He was like crying and they just like zoomed in on him. Well, I was like sobbing. I was just like, this is fucking weird. I don't like this. Mm-mm. But there, there are truly so many op- like things that could have happened. That it's quite endless. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the beginnings of like what happened that day. And then we're going to finish this episode tomorrow talking about like possibilities. Also, like what happened in the aftermath of the day. So, you know, one of the many speed bumps the public is facing and probably behind the scenes, too, is that very few of the family members speak English, although the father does work. This is not like, again, people are like, man, I've been looking in the comment sections just, you know, calling these people freeloaders and like saying, oh, they're just sitting around like being blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, the dad works. He just doesn't speak English. They speak their native language is Pashto, which is what, you know, a lot of Afghan people speak. And it's the only language also, by the way, that Lena speaks. So we've been getting information that's a little bit either through interpretation So maybe sometimes not perfectly correct at first. And also sometimes in like drips and drabs, we're getting it. From Texas Monthly, they did an interview with Riaz. And he had that day on December 20th last year been wrapping up a shift at the logistics company that he works at. And he was really excited because this was the first time all of his extended family who had escaped Afghanistan earlier that year we're all going to be able to get together to have a big dinner like during this like, gen- I mean, they're not going to do Christmas stuff, but they're, it's a holiday season. They're all going to have a big dinner together. Yeah. So it's like a very exciting day. When he's getting ready to leave, though, he gets a call from his wife at 530, Lena's mother, whose name is Zarmina. She was hysterical, saying that she couldn't find their daughter. Lena's mother describes the park that the news keeps talking about as a pavilion on the grounds where the children are always playing. So a lot of the initial news reports were first saying Lena was at a park somewhere near their apartment and her mother left. And while maybe this is a translation issue, it's also making it sound as though the mother just like dropped a three-year-old at the park and just like went, I'm going to go gamble for a little bit and I'll come back, (laughs) which is like not... What happened? So basically where they live, 
in San Antonio is in an apartment complex called the Villas del Cabo. This is the picture of an amber. It's a big, all of those brown buildings are all in the complex. So they are... It's pretty enclosed. It's enclosed and it's a wide, like, it's almost like very snaky. There's a lot of buildings in there. and Right. There's a lot of buildings, but there's just like big roads around them. Yeah. So, I mean, unless she ran out on the highway, she's in those buildings. Or somebody grabbed her. Yes. But essentially, if you look at the aerial shot of her apartment complex, there are many, many apartment buildings inside of it. But within the snakiness of all the buildings, there's like in between, there's a couple pools, there's a tennis court, some parking lots that are off all inside and close inside of this apartment structure. So unless you were being a weirdo and walking through there or you lived there, there wouldn't be public walking through any of this. This is all enclosed private space. So the park that the news was talking about is actually sort of like a covered little pavilion area. I believe I'm going to say near this tennis court and I could be wrong, but I think it's if you can see that little area there where the tennis court is, it's not on the street. It's in the middle of these buildings. Yeah, she looks like pretty safe, I would think, but I also don't have a kid. Yes. So this is where Lena was playing at the time. The people who live in this apartment complex community are almost all Afghan. They are a community of people who've all mostly come to San Antonio in the last couple of years. Even if they don't all know each other, like BFF style, it is a very common sort of neighborhoodish communal feeling where there's kids running around in the middle all the time, which is something that I can like relate to from my own childhood. My grandmother had an apartment complex that had a courtyard and I literally don't remember any adults ever being outside with us while we were playing. Maybe you're just going to say like, that's the 90s. We sh- that was maybe a bad idea, but like it was like an enclosed area around apartments. So you just kids go play there. Yeah. And according to Lena's parents, her mother just walked away for a minute. It wasn't like she was going to be gone for hours. She just like took her to this area where a bunch of other kids are and then kind of maybe Brandon Aaron made a call or some shit, something quick. Like five minutes, maybe. I think it's somewhere between five and 15 minutes. It's not really clear. But at five o'clock is where Zarmina said that she walked away. At 5.30 is when the father got the phone call. So presumably she had been looking for Lena for a little bit at that point before she made the phone call, if that makes the timeline any clearer. So it is technically a place that's relatively safe. And it was very commonplace for the people in the community there to just have a bunch of kids out with like... Parents would be around keeping an eyeball, but it's it's pretty chill. Yeah. However, the other kind of tricky part about this is that although it is in the middle of this tangle of buildings, if you walk away from that, there's like, you know, 7,000 corners that turn around. You know, you can't see around every building from that place. So if a kid walks away from that little pavilion, suddenly they could be in like 75 places, you know, because there's just so many different little corners. Yeah. So whatever happened to her, it happened so quickly that nobody else there saw anything happen. It wasn't a thing where her mom went, here's Lena. You guys watch her specifically. It was much more relaxed where she was in a familiar place with familiar people. She walked away. It was something they probably did all the time. And 
when she came back, nobody noticed because she was just one of the kids there. And so nobody paid any attention. Also, at five o'clock at that point in the day in December, it also would have been getting dark at that point, which that could be another whole reason why people didn't notice her leaving because right. and the sun probably, was going down. Yeah. And they're probably paying attention to their own kids. And also, that I just don't think there anybody was on high alert. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's just a normal day. Yeah. So when Zarmina returned, none of the people who were in that little pavilion area said they saw anything. They didn't see Lena leave. They didn't see anybody come get her. They didn't hear her shouting. Yeah, and if it's, you know, all Afghanistan people, like if somebody from not their neighborhood came in, that's like, who's he? Right, exactly. And that's really one of the most frustrating parts about this is that the police have said that the people in the apartment complex have been really helpful and like spoken. They've Nobody's been weird. Nobody's been like standoffish about it. And nobody they can find has said they saw anything out of the ordinary, which is just so frustrating. <laughs> and it's not to point fingers at anyone. It's just one of those like, fuck, man, that's. How fast kids can disappear. Quickly. My gosh, it's so scary to have a kid. It's so scary. Holy shit. I don't know how any of you guys do it. And according to Texas Monthly, whenever they were interviewing the father, yes, he thought at first one of the newer families had let her into their apartment because, again, they'd all just gotten there from Afghanistan. And he thought maybe, oh, they weren't sure whose parents this kid belonged to and they took her in to, you know, keep her safe for a minute. And then so he... And the rest of the family just started making rounds through the whole complex for a couple hours looking for this girl. They couldn't find her. And so at that point, around 7.15, they called the police to report the child missing. And it's rough because as we've talked about in the la- some of the last episodes, you basically, you know, especially specifically with Serenity, not that this family would even probably know this, but you have to call immediately. If your kid is missing, call and like be an annoyance. If your kid shows up five minutes later, it's better to have the cops rolling their eyes at you than waiting and then it being those like crucial couple minutes that could have made the difference, you know? It's just something that I hope that people can hear just from based on all the people we've spoken to. You have to call immediately. They thought it wasn't a big deal. Of course. Or they would have called earlier. Yeah, she's probably over there behind that tree. Oh, I thought I saw her over there. Maybe that little girl's her. Nope, not her. Yeah. And I'm sure they were fucking nervous and scared, but just don't hesitate. Just call. Just call. So we're going to, I think, wrap it up here for this week, and then we'll get further into the events following the rest of the day, the rest of the week, and how it's been going, because now it's been seven-ish months since she disappeared and, and she doesn't have the proper identification because mm-hmm. of where she comes from and how she got here mm-hmm. and people are just throwing at them racism immediately mm-hmm. blaming the family for it so it's just, they have a lot of obstacles in their way absolutely and at the end of the day this is a little girl that needs to be found yes and i will also talk about on the next episode there was a ton of positive considerate loving help from people too people from different like religions and stuff came in it was there was a really yes. big sweep of People wanting to help. Just if this has felt very dark, there were so many people who did 
immediately come in and give all the resources up to try to find her. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you look at some of their news, you can see people donating their time to go walk mm-hmm. and try to find her. So, yeah, there is a lot of love. There is. And the reward now has been pushed up to, I think, like $150,000, maybe more. Wow. Because people have been donating. So there are positives. There's lots of good people out there. But we'll get back from this point next week. You can follow the show at Someplace Underneath. You can follow me at The Natty Jean. Amber Smelson, all across the board. And we are Amber and Natalie, Saucy, Pert, and Gracie as always. Bye. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated.